Blog Talk Radio.
if you need um, prayer during the course of this show, um, please feel free to give us a call. We have the chat room open, um, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash prayer international. You can always go to our website, which is prayerinternational.org, and post your prayer request there. You can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. So um, thank you for joining us once again for um, another two hours tonight of um, prayer, intercession, worship, since seeking the face of the Lord, spending time in his presence, and um, whatever else he has in store for us tonight.
welcome back to um, Prayer International Radio. So tonight we have a um, long night ahead of us. Um, sort of reminds me of um, 1 Corinthians, where Paul said, um, For I determined, oh, verse 1, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much teaching and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom in men, but in the power of God. You know, um, by the end of this um, two-hour broadcast, um, I'm really, in the long run, not going to care. Either way, if you know who I am. Um if the broadcast ends and you forget who I am, that's completely fine. But I, what I want you to do and what I'm hoping tonight is that by the time this broadcast is over, you'll be just that much closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, um, we live in a world where education is considered a prized possession almost as a trophy, um, a representation of some kind of stature that you stand in and a place you stand in. And, um, you know, in some situations, um, there's um, stature and stuff that's due and prestige for some reasons um, for having studied to learn a specific trade or skill or um, whatever. But in the end, none of that's going to really matter. In the end, all that matters and the only knowledge that will last through eternity is him. The knowledge of him. Paul said that I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. For the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget the Lord Jesus in your life. Never forget the blessings and the benefits of serving the Lord God. Never forget the promises he's made to us. Never forget because that's all that matters. It's the only name that matters. The only person that matters is him. It doesn't matter about pleasing man. All that matters is being pleasing to him. Him that we will all give account to on some day. Him who died for us. Took all of our sins, all the punishment for 
what we had done and crucified it upon a tree. Crucified his son Jesus Christ for us. That we could have eternal life. That we could have a relationship with him. That's all that matters. It says in, um, um, just to warn you, I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight, but because um, I think I know which way we're going with this tonight. But Holy Spirit, tonight we give this entire broadcast to you. Holy Spirit, glorify the Lord Jesus through every word, through every song. Let every minute of this broadcast glorify Jesus Christ. Let him be high and exalted tonight. Father, I ask that you would touch the hearts and the lives of every person listening to the sound of my voice, whether they're listening live right now or they're listening through an archive, Father. It makes no difference to you because you exist outside of our concepts of time and exist in eternity. So, Lord, wherever they're at, whatever their need is, whatever they're desiring, Father, I pray you would meet them right there at the point of their need, Lord. It says in Psalms um, 139, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. When as yet there were none of them. You know, the Bible says, it's not that we sought after him, but that he sought after us. We love him because he loved us first. We love him because he revealed himself to us. We love him.
because he sacrificed everything there was to sacrifice. When there is no higher sacrifice that could be made, the Lord God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. Father God, if there's anybody who happens to be listening now, Lord, who doesn't know you, Father, I pray tonight, God, please reveal yourself to them. Touch their heart, Lord, right now. Show them the reality and the truth of who you are, Lord. Show them how much you love them, Lord. Transform their lives, Lord. Not so they can do anything but know you, Father. For the excellence of the knowledge of who you are to us. Father, as far as the east is from the west, Lord, from one corner of this amazingly big planet to the other, Lord. Father, we stand in agreement, Lord, asking that your spirit would move upon the waters once again, Father. As you did in the beginning, Lord, when this earth was without form and void and darkness was upon it, Lord, and your spirit was hovering over the waters and you said, let there be light. Father, even now, once again, let your spirit hover over these waters, Lord over the nations and the people and the tribes of this earth, Lord. Let the shouts of the name of Jesus be heard from one corner to the other, Lord. Your word declares that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, your spirit will raise up a standard against him. Father, glorify your son Jesus in this earth, Lord. Even tonight, Father, even in the underground churches, Father, even in the cities and the villages, Lord, and the remote deserts and the forest, Father, glorify your name tonight, Lord, with signs and wonders, Father, so that people will speak of you, Lord, that people's children will speak of you, Father. Jesus, that your name would be glorified. As you are glorified in this earth. So we're going to, um, I may, we'll see how the Holy Spirit feels about it. Um, I may start a teaching series tonight, um, on John, not on John himself, the Apostle John, but on the book of John, the problem is, is it can take a lifetime when you're reading scripture, any scripture, to ever completely grasp the amazing revelations that can come out of the words of God. The Holy Spirit will bring to light the words that Jesus said to us to give us revelation into the heart and the mind of the Father through his words. 
says in the beginning was the Word, which we know is Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. You know what's interesting about this passage? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is my own little analogy for you. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible says that Jesus is the expressed image of the glory of the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. It says, Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. First thing, when our world was created, was the Father saying, let there be light. He could have said, let there be ground, because we know, according to the Psalms, that the light and the dark are the same to him. I've heard someone who had a visitation in heaven say that there was no darkness, there was no shadows go around a person or around a building and there was no shadows in it. It was because his presence, the glory and the countenance of Jesus and the Father were the Son. So there was no darkness anywhere. And the Father said, let there be light. Since he was slain, from the foundation of the world. The Father already planning to send His Son into this world to bring it light when there was darkness. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. You know, it's interesting that the Father said, Jesus said, or it says in the scripture, more precisely, it says that he has not chosen the wise, the strong, the great, the powerful. But he's chosen the weak, the simple things of this world to bring to shame the wise, the weak to bring to shame the strong. He's chosen the ordinary. You know, when Jesus came, he could have chosen scribes. He could have chosen the Pharisees. He could have chosen the religious elite. He could have chosen that one priest who had to go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies once a year on behalf of the people. He could have chose him, but he didn't. 
God chose 12 ordinary guys, full of imperfections, full of doubts and fears and issues, each one of them probably having their own. And he chose them and said, you, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Whatever place you're in, I want you to know that God can do amazing things in this world with you. You may not even realize how how your simplest actions, the simplest words that come out of your mouth to someone, how dramatic and drastic of an impact it can have upon this world. Paul's job, I mean, sorry, John's job was to bear witness of the Lord Jesus. That was it. But how great a calling and an anointing to be the first person to stand up at the river and say, that's him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that was it. That was his job. That's why he was sent into this world, was to proclaim the message that he's coming. And he's still coming, because he said he's coming back. He said, behold, I come quickly. Watch, be ready. And he's coming soon. says in verse 9, it says, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And, you know, sometimes we don't grasp the um, severity, if that's the right word, or of what it says. Everything, every atom of every object was because of him. Every molecule, every strand of DNA in your body was because of him. Every blade of grass, every flower, every leaf on every tree, every molecule in every one of those leaves, was because of him. The color of your eyes, the color of your hair, because of him. He said, the Father knows the very numbers of hair on your head. It says he's intimately acquainted with you, even before you ever heard of him, before he was ever even a thought on your mind. He knew you. He formed you, fashioned you, created a place for you, had a plan and a purpose far beyond anything you could comprehend. 
And yet he came into this world to bring light. But the darkness couldn't understand it. Men were lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of whatever, lovers of anything but God. And so when he came to his own, they couldn't receive him. They couldn't understand him because he's just not what they pictured, just not what they were expecting, just not what they wanted at that time in their life. Because they were only thinking through the eyes of their flesh and not through the eyes of their spirit. So when he spoke to them, they were like, he must be crazy. He couldn't really be the son of God. Yeah, he can do great things. But now that couldn't be him. That's not what God's like. The problem is, is they didn't know God very well. They had a knowledge of God. They had an understanding that there was a God. And they knew the law of God. They knew, do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this. You can probably get away with this, but not that. But they didn't have that deep, heartfelt, burning desire for him. The longing, passion that wakes you up in the middle of the night or keeps you from sleep on your bed like David said. Where you stay up at night inquiring of the Lord. They didn't have the deep burning passion to wake up in the morning and be able to say good morning, Holy Spirit. It says, but as many, remember this verse, remember this verse, John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. For no one has seen God at any time. I'm going to like throw down a revelation here and um, take a little um, break from the reading. Um I'm going to throw down a revelation here. Um, in the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel has a vision of the Son of God, of the glory of the Father. 
Son of Man with the whales inside the whales and the angels and him who sat on the throne above it. If you read that chapter, first or second chapter of Ezekiel, and then you flip over to Revelation, there's a throne room. I think it's Revelation 4 around there. And the image is almost identical. The Bible says right here in Jesus also said, no one has seen the Father at any time, only the Son. No one. Not Abraham, not Moses, no one. Only Jesus. So throughout the Bible, all the times when the Lord showed up to people, even on the mountain. It was Jesus. He said, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And at that time, in Exodus, when Moses was upon the mountain, and he saw the glory of the Lord, Jesus hadn't come yet. It's just my um, opinion of it. You can believe whatever you want. It says, now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? <laughs> you know, most people at that time would be like, man, I am the man of God. I am the one who's been out here preaching the gospel. You can't believe you don't know who I am can't believe you haven't heard of me. Haven't you seen my haven't you read my book? Didn't you see my interview? Didn't you don't you know who I am? Most of us would get offended. But not John. Because he knew who he was. And he knew it wasn't about him. He knew it was about Jesus. And he knew that through him the world would be saved. And he said, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? He said, no. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Actually, if it was me, I would have probably said, well, whoever sent you, tell them to come ask me themselves. But it's not what John said. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, those were, the, were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not even worthy to loose. These things were done in Beth Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. <laughs> you know, some people are content to drink the water and to be filled with the water. 
that Jesus is going to baptize you in fire. It says in verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with his two disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him, and they followed Jesus. And, Jesus, and you know, John didn't say, Why are you going? Why are you going with him? Why don't you stay here? He was like, Go. That's him. And Jesus turned, seeing them following, and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. You know, it reminds me, there's this verse. Our men came to the disciples. They didn't ask for healing or gifts or power or to join the group. Sirs, we wish to see Jesus. And then they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day, and it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. You know, I'm just going to throw this in here. Um, you know, I've talked to Chris a lot and about our lives, um, both individually, um, quite different. Um, in, in some ways the same We both had struggles with the Lord in the past um, Good times, bad times um, But you know, Chris always says is saying of Chris is, is that the Lord's going to turn this mess into a bless And there may be people in your life Who have not necessarily been positive 
about what the Lord is able to do for you and what the Lord is able to do in your life. But I want you to know tonight something's good's going to happen. When the world is saying, can anything good happen? The Father is saying, exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Like it says in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things you do not know. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. You know, the Bible says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Wherever you are, the Lord is there. Wherever you go, he's going to be there too. Jesus himself, standing there, seeing the entire world, every person on the face of the planet, he saw them at that moment, in every moment knew everything that was going on, intimately acquainted with his creation, intimately desiring his creation, intimately interested in pursuing his creation. And Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We're going to take a quick break. Our call in number 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for anything, um, give us a call. And all who are thirsty And all who are
We're here, God, because your promise has been fulfilled in us. We're here, God, because when we seek you, we find you. 
God, when we ask, we receive. When we knock on the door, you answer it. Your word is alive. Your word is alive today. It is truth. It is everything. Back to Prayer International Radio. Our call in number is 619 638 8458. 
read a, we're going to read a little bit more in John, um, and then we're going to pray some. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing the words of Jesus to us. So, um, chapter 2 of John, it's um, it's a pretty amazing um, chapter. Um, there's a lot of different takes on how it happened, why it happened. Um, I'll leave that to you and the Holy Spirit. But it starts off and it says, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I heard a preacher talk on this. And he made a point that I thought was quite interesting. Jesus told his mother, it's not time for me yet. Why are you asking me to do anything? It's not time. It's not time. Because Jesus said he only did what he saw his father do, only what his father told him to do. Says he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So there was really nothing that Jesus did unless he got it from the Father. And so Jesus is here telling his mother, My time has not yet come. And his mom, she had faith. She remembered and knew the words of God that were spoken to her about Jesus. She knew who he was. She knew who he came from. She knew what he was going to do. She knew that nothing was impossible with God. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> The preacher who I heard talk about this made this point. Jesus said, it's not my time yet. His mother said to the disciples, whatever he says, do it. Because she had faith. The woman who had the issue of blood pushed through a crowd when she wasn't even really allowed to be there. She didn't care what her situation looked like. She just knew that if she could reach out and touch Jesus, she would be made whole. And right then, when Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it, it's almost like God's plans that push forward just a little bit. And it's time when Jesus said it wasn't my time. And then a couple seconds later it was. 
from things. But that's what faith can do. Now there was set some six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to his disciples, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. So we have 30 water pots. Oh, six, sorry, six water pots with up to um, 20 or 30 gallons each. All the, the disciples have all these pots of water, and they're like, great. We're going to give them water to drink. They didn't know what was going on. Weren't sure what was about to happen. But they knew there was Jesus, and all things were possible. Sort of like Abraham who sacrificed, or had to, was about to sacrifice his own son, knowing that it was through his son that the promises of the father were supposed to happen. That in him all the nations of the world would come and be blessed. But he still did it because he knew the Father. And the disciples, all they knew was, this is Jesus, this is him, the Messiah, the Christ. He must have something good planned. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine but did not know where it came from but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk then the inferior you have kept the good wine until now this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, and he and his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Here's what's interesting about this chapter. So they have six pots full of water. Everybody can see it's water. Jesus said, take some of the water and go take it to the master of the feast. And by the time they got this water and got it to the master of the feast it was wine now Jesus could have walked over to these six water pots and said poof you're wine but he didn't he said you take it and so they took their first step of faith regardless of what their circumstances look like I remember many missionaries and evangelists who have been in remote villages and jungles and forests and have seen people with horrible diseases like leprosy where their skin is falling off and their body is full of sores and these people look pretty much dead but they don't look at that because they know Jesus and they know that nothing's impossible 
so they'll still lay hands on them. They'll still pray for them. Because they know the word of the God says, by his stripes we are healed. And these people will get healed. Because, you know, sometimes it takes a step of faith to see a miracle. Sometimes you have to do things that don't make sense to get your blessing. Sometimes there's a blessing waiting for you on the other side of your step of faith, on the other side of your obedience. There's a mountain that you're wanting to cross or you're wanting to get around or get over or, you, or like the scripture says, you just want to be able to say, be removed and cast to the sea and have it happen. But you have to take the step of faith. you got to say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. You know, in your life, you're going to need to take a step of faith to see the hand of God move sometimes. You know, the Lord wants to bless you far beyond anything you can imagine. And I'm not saying that he wants to make you super filthy rich, but he wants to bless you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. He has a desire and a calling for you. He has a dream for your life, a vision for your life. But you're going to need to take a step of faith and trust him. You may not understand what's going on. You may not see all the circumstances lining up. The picture may not look just like it should in your head. But you have to take a step of faith. Because that's when you release your own expectations. You release your own ability to understand. And you put your trust in his. And you put your trust that this is the God. Who knew you before you knew him. This is the God. Through whom the entire world was created. This is the God who stood over the barren world and said, let there be light. And even today, he's speaking, saying, let there be light in your life. Let there be light. Come to the fountains. Come to the waters and drink. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hebrews, those who come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. in verse 13, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business and when he made a whip out of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables and he said to those who sold the doves take these things away do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered it was written, Zeal, for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days' time I will raise it up. And the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? 
but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So, I'm going to speak a little bit, and, um, you know, verse 23, I'll finish this up. It says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So, um, I'll take, um, we'll take up John 3, um, next time, but we're going to have to pray, but, um, in a little bit, but as far as the money changers, um, this is my time to be politically, religiously, um, incorrect and, I don't want to be offensive to you, whoever you are that's listening But it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And, you know, this is my own opinion that I'm about to say, so please don't get offended and don't take it the wrong way. But there's many, um, we'll say, religious sites on the Internet. And we know that... um, with the internet, we have the ability to reach people all over the face of this world. People who would never have a chance to hear the gospel have a chance to hear the gospel because of the internet. And, you know, there's some sites I've been to, and there were some sites I used to love to go to. And then it got to a point that all I saw were ads. Buy this. Buy this. I'd go every time hoping to get something from the Lord and it was always there's this message for $9.99 or you can get this for this and this for this and it's like not like it's, it's a bad thing in a way because I know that ministries have to they have bills, they have expenses it, it costs money to to have a church, it, it costs money and to have a ministry I mean Nothing in this world is free except for the grace of God and eternal life through Jesus. Outside of that, everything else costs money. And But at some point, it overtakes the message. And people don't see the message of the gospel. But they see a sale. And they see it becomes more of a store than it becomes a place of healing. And deliverance But you know Whatever you do on your own sites You know that's between you and the Lord It's just my opinion um, I told Chris once um, If y'all don't know um, Chris Oates Me and him um, pretty much switch nights Most times and So I'll do a show one night And he'll do it the next And sometimes we split up the the same night, but when we started this ministry, um, one of the first things, because we have the website at um, prayerinternational.org, and 
one of the first things we talked about is we never wanted to sell anything on the site. We never wanted to get a point where we were making money and we were we got in because we don't want anybody to think that we're in this for money. I mean, we both work. Chris sometimes doesn't because he does contract work, and you know, learning to be a base, learning to abound. Being thankful and gracious to the Lord and trusting the Lord in all things and having faith that no matter what your checkbook looks like, the Lord's going to come through and the Lord's going to provide because that's his very nature and his very character. And you stand on the promises of God that no matter what happens, he is going to come through because he always has and he always will. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I change not. And we never want to get to the point where we do anything for money. Um Recently, me and Chris, um, Chris was given a possible opportunity to start an actual church, and we realized, you know, it's going to take money um, and finances, but we'd rather trust the Lord. I don't, I personally think I'd be horrible being in a church or anywhere else or on a ministry, because I hate asking people for money, and I would don't want to do it. I just would rather trust the Lord, and if someone wants to give or donate or whatever else, if the Holy Spirit speaks to them, so be it. And if not, who cares? The Lord will provide. Um, and I know a lot of ministries don't operate like that. Um, but I've lived that life, in a way. Um, a lot of years of my life, I lived trusting the Lord. Not knowing how bills would get paid. Um, Chris could tell you this. Him and his wife, Tracy, lived this a lot. Where you just don't know what's going to happen the next day. And then while there's a little bit of worry that comes up in the long run, you really don't care. Because you know Jesus. And you know he's faithful in all things. And you know that everything is going to be all right. That no matter what the proclamation of the enemy is in your life, that it's irrelevant compared to the Word of God. That no matter what your friends have said about you, no matter what your doctor has said about you, your hope doesn't rest in the assurances of men or the words and the wisdom of men. Your hope rests in the power of God. And when the pots of water seem empty, you trust that he can create a transformation in your situation for this glory. And he will. But sometimes you've got to take that step of faith. You know, I, I had a friend once and who I used to talk to who was wanting to do um, some mission trips and stuff. and But they didn't know where the money was going to come from. And, you know, one of the things we talked about is, you know, it doesn't matter where it's going to come from. The Lord tells you to go somewhere, you go. If he says you go here, you go here. If he says go there, you go there. And you let him worry about the rest of the details. If he didn't say go earn this much money and get this exact, exact amount and bring it before me and then I will bless you or whatever. No, the Lord doesn't do that. He's like, go. I am your provision. I am your source. I am your exceeding great reward. 
the Lord's called you somewhere, if he's put a desire in your heart and a burning desire to do something for him, just go, regardless of what the circumstances look like. Just go, regardless of whether you think that you're going to have the money. Just go. If he says, I want you at this airport at this time to get on a plane to go to this place, and you go and you get to the airport. So what if you don't have a plane ticket? How do you know what's going to happen once you get there? Someone may just walk up and put a plane ticket in your hand and say, the Lord spoke to me last night and said, I need to come give this to you. And it happens all the time when people are willing to trust the Lord. You've got to trust him. If he tells you to give your last $50 to a homeless person on the street, but you need that $50 for something else, you trust the Lord that he knows what he's doing that he knows the plans that he has, that he's going to be glorified, that he's your provision, that it's not about that 50 bucks because it's not your 50 bucks in the long run. It's his because it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he has a lot more where that came from. If you're willing to trust him, let him be glorified in your life by trusting him to do what the Bible says exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. It says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You've got to trust him. Got to trust him. I was actually trying to find a song. Okay, there it is.
number 619-638-8458. Faith. I'll tell you a story. Um, let me preface this story because we're going to get into prayer in a little bit. And I need you, want you to believe, not in me, not in this radio broadcast. It's not about that. I want you to believe in him. Because wherever you are right now, he's there. The Holy Spirit's right there. The Father's right there. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever problem you have, he's there. He knows. He sees it. You know, I've had the privilege to pray for people a couple times and have them be healed by the Lord. Not because I said the right words, not because um, I had a great anything, because I'm not. I'm just a normal person. Um, I don't even think my relationship with the Lord is that great half the time, but between me and him, he begs to differ. But, um, you know, a long time ago, um, I had an uncle who was um, in the hospital, and he needed, um, I think it was a triple bypass, and um, I was at home, and and it was sort of late at night, and my mom called me and said that the doctor said they couldn't operate on him because his um, blood pressure and his oxygen levels and all that other stuff, none of it was good. And so they pretty much said that he didn't really have a chance of making it through the night. And so my mom said, was calling all the family members and said, okay, y'all need to get up here right away to say goodbye. And so I got to the hospital and everybody's sitting around crying and everything else. And I walked into the hospital room and my mom and everybody's there and my mom said, okay, Sean, I need you to pray or to say a prayer. And it wasn't because she thought I was anointed or anything like that. She just believed in God. And she knew that if there was any chance for her brother to be better, God was going to have to do something. And so I stood in front of this bed, embarrassed because I've never really prayed for anybody like that before. All my family sitting standing around and... Um, we were never a close family who talked about anything. And so I stood in front of this bed of my uncle who the doctors said he wasn't going to make it through the night. And all of a sudden, all the scriptures from the Bible started going through my head. And so I put my hand on him. Or maybe I didn't. I don't remember. And I started praying for him. And I started calling out all those scriptures that the Bible said about healing. And I prayed and I prayed. And then when it, the prayer was over, 
nothing really looked that much different, and so I left. And a couple of days later, he left the hospital because God is faithful when you are willing to believe his word, regardless of what things look like. And so I learned that when the father says something, it's a good time to do it because he's going to do something. Because he has a plan and he has a purpose to glorify his son, Jesus Christ. A couple of years ago, um, I had a, a guy I used to know, one of my brother's friends, um, that I actually knew from a club that I used to go to, that I had pretty much stopped going to. And he... Um, his kidney was failing, and he was pretty much, they thought he wasn't going to make it. And I think it was my brother that called me, and all of a sudden in my spirit, I didn't feel fear. I was like, I just felt this faith. Because the Bible said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And so... I kept struggling within myself. Okay, I don't want to go and pray for him. I don't want to drive up there. But I kept having this feeling in my spirit to trust the Lord. Because if you don't do nothing, or if you don't do anything, nothing happens. I mean, that's the truth. If you don't pray, nothing happens. I remember times when I've walked down the street and seen people who were in wheelchairs or whatever else and I my heart thought about the faith and trusting God and for some reason I was either afraid or whatever and I didn't do anything I didn't go pray for him more afraid of something not happening than how amazing it would be to see the glory of God appear in their lives and change that person's life and so there's many times when I had an opportunity to pray for people, knowing what the Word of God says, that I just didn't do it. But this one time, I couldn't get it out of my spirit that I needed to go up there. And so I drove up to the hospital, and all these people from this past old life of mine, and this man I used to be, were around, and so I didn't really want to be around any of them. And they're only letting, like, two or three people in the hospital room at a time. And so I walked into the hospital room, and I was, like, one of the first people there. And with these two other people who are going about the room looking at all his stuff. And he's laying in the bed, um, I'm assuming unconscious or something, and hooked up to all these different machines. And... I'm not really sure what the machines mean, but he doesn't look that good. And I just stood there thinking about the promises of God. I don't even know if the guy was saved. I still don't know if he was saved. But I know that Jesus prayed for people who didn't know him. There was the blind man or the crippled man at the pool. And Jesus walked up to him and said, do you want to be made well? 
And he said, I don't have anybody to help me in the pool. And Jesus said, take up your bed, arise and walk. And the man did, and he was healed. Peter was walking, and there was a man at the gate who was asking for money. And he said, can you just give me a couple dollars, a couple quarters, a couple anything? And Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold I don't have. I don't have any money in my pockets. But what I do have, I will give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be healed. And the man was. And so I'm sitting in this hospital, standing in this hospital room, standing next to this hospital bed, and I started praying. Not super loud, I was more praying under my breath. And I put my hand on him, and I started praying. Not about me, not about him. Just trusting the Lord. That the Lord could do everything he said he could do. And that he was faithful. And then I left the hospital and I drove home. And a couple days later, he was out of the hospital. Not because I said the right words. I don't remember what words I said. But I'm pretty sure there was a lot of, in the name of Jesus, that happened. Because the Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, it's true, some people get healed and there's times when some people don't. Does that mean you shouldn't pray? No, it means that you should do what the Bible says and be obedient and then leave the rest up to God. It's like this. You want to heal the sick? Start laying hands on people. I heard someone say once, what happens if you lay hands on someone and they drop dead? And then the preacher said, well, then I move on to the next person. Because it's not your job to heal them. It's his. It's your job to be obedient to the words of the Father, to the calling that he's given you. And Jesus said in my name, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You leave the rest to him. You take your hand, you put it upon them, you say the words in the name of Jesus. And you watch the glory of God happen. And while it may not happen that second, it's going to happen. You've got to trust him. You've got to believe him. And you will see things happen that you can never imagine. Because his word is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. All across the face of this planet, there are still people getting healed. There are still miracles happening. I'll give you one more story. Um... There was a missionary in um, Africa, and they had this prayer line, and he's, like, praying for these people who are walking up to him in this line, and all of a sudden this guy in a wheelchair with no legs, because they were cut off, at, they were had been cut off and had these little, like, sticks for legs, and he came up and the preacher looked at him and said, what do you want? Which you would think is a dumb question, but it's really not because you never know what's in the desire of someone's heart. And the man said, I want to walk. And so the preacher looked at him and he said, go buy some shoes. <laughs> and so 
what did the man do? Did he go away, like, upset and be like, that, I don't have any legs, and the man told me to buy shoes. He could have prayed for me to get healed. And But listen, the missionary knew the word of God. He knew that one step of faith would give Jesus the ability to form miracles in that man's life. And so the man went to buy some shoes, gets into the store, and said, I need some shoes. And the man who was working there says, what do you need? And he's like, I want some shoes. And so the store clerk immediately thinks it's crazy. And he says, what size? And the man in the wheelchair is like, I have no idea. And so he just picks out a size 9 or 10 or whatever. And the store clerk's getting all upset, so he tries to push his wheelchair out. And the man in the wheelchair slammed on his brakes and said, I'm getting shoes. So he turns around. They go back in the store. The clerk goes, grabs a pair of shoes, and as Joe put them down and took the sticks that he had out of, coming out of his legs and put them in the shoes. And without a missionary around, without a preacher, or without anything else, legs started growing where there used to be sticks and filled those shoes because the power of God, because it was about the power of God and not the word of man. And sometimes you've just got to trust him. So we're going to pray for anybody who's sick out there. And we may call out a couple things, and if it's you, then just trust the Lord. If we don't call out exactly what it is, then trust the Lord anyway. So here's what you do. If you have any part of your body that's sick, whether it's something simple like a blister to something big like a disease, take your hand, one of them or both of them, and put it on that part of your body. If you're in a room with someone who's sick, I want you to get up and walk over to them and do the same thing. Put your hand on them. If you're in a room and nobody's sick, then I want you to just reach your faith out to the Lord for those who are. Whether they're here or in China or in Africa or Russia or the United States, it doesn't matter. Just trust the Lord. So, Father... so amazing. Lord, we come to you because your word says if two or more of us are gathered together in your name that you're there in the midst, you said if we would ask anything according to your will, you would do it. Your word says that if we know you hear us, we know we have the petitions we ask of you. And your word says that by your stripes we are healed. So, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for these that are sick right now, Lord. Father, whatever part of their body is in need of healing, Lord, you know. So in the name of Jesus Christ right now, Father, we command complete and total healing over that part of their body right now in the name of Jesus. Complete and total healing. Father, every heart condition fixed right now in the name of Jesus. Father, every condition with the leg, Lord, every broken bone, Father, 
every joint fixed in the name of Jesus right now, completely and totally healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We command you, body, to line up with the word of God. We command you, disease, to go in the name of Jesus. We command every sickness to flee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every tumor now go in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, complete and total healing over every one of these that have had faith and trust in you, Lord. Complete and total healing, Lord. Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified, Jesus. It's that simple. Just trust the Lord. Now, usually a preacher or something would say that whatever is wrong, if it was a leg or something, then do something you couldn't do before. I've seen people do that. So, for those of you who are in a wheelchair, Father, God, in your name, in the name of Jesus, heal their legs, Father. If they don't have any, give them to them. If there's a problem with their legs or their spine, Father, heal it right now in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I want you to get up and start walking. In Jesus' name. Father, Lord, for all those who are listening tonight, Lord, your word says, Father, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Lord. Open the eyes of their heart. Let their hearts be flooded with light, Father. Open their eyes, Father, so they can see you as you are, Lord. Open their ears, Father, so they can hear your voice. Give them a desire and a burning passion for you, Father. Give them a desire for your word, Lord. Give them a desire, Lord, to be in your presence. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think is what you said. Father, so we trust in you tonight, Lord. Despite what any circumstance would tell us, Father, we place our trust in you tonight, Lord. Jesus, our lives belong to you. We place our trust in you, Father. Father, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us, Lord. Give us your heart for the nations, Lord. Give us your heart for the world. Give us your heart for our friends and our family, Lord. Give us boldness, Father, to proclaim your gospel to those who don't know it. Give us boldness, Lord to be obedient to your words in those areas of our life where you've called us to be obedient, Lord. Give us revelation, Father, into your plans and in your purposes, Lord. Give us dreams and visions, Father. Speak to us, Lord, in the day and speak to us in the night, Father. Unify your body, Father. Your word declares that you're coming for a pure and spotless bride, Lord. Jesus, thank you. Your word declares that you have perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You have declared us righteous by your own blood and presented us to the Father without having spot or blemish, Lord. And we stand rejoicing, Father, Jesus, in you. You are our exceeding great reward, Father. 
Lord, every moment of every day, Father, let every breath, let everything inside of us worship you, Father. Let us become people of worship, Father. People who long for your presence, Father. People who are in love with you, Jesus. Not because there's anything for us out of it except you. Because you're all that we really want. And you're the only thing we really need. This is Prayer International Radio. Our call in number, 619-638-8458. After the broadcast, if you still need to get a hold of us, you can go to the website at prayerinternational.org or you can email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. And we'll be back on tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. So, um... Father, we put a blessing on all these in your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me